We'll just use this. So today is our last time for now on this idea of Christianity and science. You might say Christianity versus science, but as we learned in some of the early weeks, there is not a conflict or there shouldn't need to be because all truth is God's truth. And um, science by its own admission uh, cannot prove nor disprove the existence of God. And uh, we talked about how in previous weeks, um, in historical cases, uh, there have been attempts by Christianity to argue with science on biblical terms. And science doesn't let you do that because they just say it's non-scientific, it's not observable, uh, you have to show me your experiments that prove or disprove things, and they're talking about different things, so they're using different rules. And so when we kind of talked about in last week, that um, when we were talking about this idea of the flood and geological records and things, that it's okay to just give an answer of, well, I don't know how God did it, or I don't know why your geological record that you have is showing certain things. What I do know is, is that the scripture, the word of God, which Jesus, who was a historical figure, and I would dare any scientist to historically disprove the presence of Jesus on earth and that he died and resurrected. Many have tried. Um, but he said that the Bible was true and he acted on the belief that things like the flood really happened and that miracles really happened. And so that's okay as a Christian to say, I don't know how to argue with a specific scientific argument. We should not, however, give up on cases um, in which science expands out of its boundaries and then starts to make moral implications. We are, are called to provide a defense of the gospel uh, when things attack it. So to that end, what I want to talk about tonight, we're going to start with answers from you. What I want to start out with is how, what are all the different ways that we can define what a person is? So how do you define a, if you had to give me an answer, what is a person? Well, Genesis 1 says we're created in a, in his image, in the image of God. That's an answer. What other answers could you come up with for what is a person? It can even be an answer that you don't personally believe, if that makes it easier for you. We have a, so don't write till I figure out what I'm saying. We have a, a a connection with God, a spirit, God's spirit. The animals don't have knowledge of God. They don't have a relationship with God. Um, the Bible says even people that don't believe in him, uh, the mountains cry out like they, we know about God. 
How would you word that? We have a sense of God. We kind of sense that I would maybe say that's included that we're in the image of God in the sense that that kind of implies knowledge. But we can add kind of. Because um, that's why we're different. That's why we're a person and not an animal is because animals have no recollection of God or a creator. That's true. How would you word that? So we'll say you're going to say that part of the definition of a person is uh, knowledge of God, perhaps? That's what you're saying? I would say I wouldn't necessarily go the seeking of God because there are people who do not seek for God. And... Um, also, I would, uh, you'll just leave it there. Uh, what are other definitions? And Dave, and if you're going to raise your hand, you're going to have to move forward because I'm not going to walk all the way back. Some define personness by, based on capability, like the ability to speak, the ability, so it's based on function, ability. If you're not able to speak, you're not a person. Okay. Adding on to that, um, some level of consciousness, like you have to be alive, which is seems simplistic, but it's complex. And also. Um, we have a body. Uh, it's important for, for people to have a body. Um, there's a spirit in the body, you know, something that does converse or, you know, relate to people, but we must also have a body. Yeah, so we're touching on a lot of things, but what came to mind is we have a body, a mind, a spirit, a soul, emotional intellect. You know, we're, there, a number of those things differentiate us from lower order beings. For instance, a worm has a body, but it has no mind, no cognitive ability. A dolphin has cognitive ability, but a dolphin doesn't have a soul. So we are sort of a unique combination of body, mind, spirit, soul, I think, all together. And I get that from love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and body. Okay, so you're teasing out here um, from the existence of having a body. We know that this is a physical thing. It's important to at least acknowledge the point that we're saying a person is a physical thing. Um, and then you added to that, uh, Marie, that a person has a spirit. And Joel has added this thing called a soul. And we kind of, in consciousness, I'm also going to include a mind. And that kind of goes with perhaps uh, ability to speak or something like that. But we'll add this idea of soul on here. Oh, someone, I didn't catch that part. So uh, a presence of... Life, okay. 
Okay. I'm not quite how to put this, but I'm thinking of, <clears throat> of we have more of a consciousness of the, of the world around us. We observe the world, and we learn from the world. And uh, we would be the only, if you're going to use the term animal, we would be the only ones that we can observe and learn about other animals. And to, to actually, you know, we, we learn about the environment, we learn about how other animals live and things like that. Now, dogs and cats can get along and love, love each other, but ask the dog how a cat lives, he couldn't tell you, you know. And we could tell you the difference between a dog and a cat and how, what eat, the eating and all of that stuff. So I'm not quite sure how to put that. Uh, let's kind of stick it to this idea of that there is an awareness of the world around it. Uh, yeah. So we're saying a person has or could be defined by Sue? People are eternal, whereas eternal, like we will live forever somewhere. And animals, it's debatable, but I don't know if all dogs go to heaven. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are persons because God created us to live forever. Either we'll go to heaven or hell, but we will exist. Once we're made, we're, we exist forever. Not here. Uh, to cl clarify that a little bit, if we were to say eternal, then not only would that mean that we will live forever, but that also would mean we always have lived. So uh, you're trying to get to the idea of, I don't know, what would be a, a better word for that, perhaps? Everlasting. Okay, so you're, we're saying that uh, a person is everlasting, and that's maybe a part of what their personhood is. John? People are also curious, wanting to learn about different things. Why does a scientist study or you know, study whatever form of science? Why does an astronomer look to the stars? He's curious. He wants to know what's there. Do you have a response to that, David? Curiosity killed the cat. <laughs> <laughs> killed a lot of people too. Uh, uh, I, I took this. I took this psych class, right? And. Um, it's interesting that you say that because like we're curious but I feel like we're not evolved is not the right word but like we're advanced we're we're above other things like we've mentioned before but because like dogs do learn and they're conditioned and they like do some of the same things that humans do but we're just do it in a more advanced deeper level so it's like right right yeah Say so we're we're advanced. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So ability to reason is an interesting thing. I've seen that definition. Um, but what David was kind of saying is that with these ideas of, uh, I guess you can make the argument that to some element, the ability to communicate um, or perhaps uh, this consciousness or awareness of the world, in some sense, people can make the argument that not just persons or not just humans have those traits as well. But what David was kind of getting to is that human beings appear to have an advanced form of that or an advanced. So not just are they ability to solve problems, they solved problems in advanced ways, perhaps. Um, I missed the last thought that someone had said. Um, humans communicate in a lot of different ways through a lot of different means, and also humans have emotions. That's a good distinction that I don't think we had on here already. This idea of, so we did have the ability to speak, but we'll call it, um, let's go more than just speak, but have understandable communication by other members. So, um, Yes, the writing or the writing, draw, cave drawings or something like that. There is advanced communication that is understandable in a general way. So, And emotions is an interesting one to add on to there. The ability to feel emotions. I do remember missing one, and it was either John's or one of David's, and I can't. Reason? Yes, reason. Did that catch it, Joel? Do you have something? Okay. Uh, okay. So perhaps, um, for the sake of someone else, perhaps. Okay. I don't know enough to say if no other creature would ever do that. Like, I don't know if like a mother chimpanzee would ever sacrifice itself for an offspring. I have no idea. Okay, so kind of in the sense of you can see that some creatures use tools, but we use tools in a more advanced way, or... Sure, sure. Okay, so uh, 
we'll call it altruism and we'll just put altruism down, but this idea that you would hold another member of your species higher than yourself, perhaps. Ooh, what if we just consider this under morality? Because that's something that we haven't mentioned yet. And that's some, that is one term that is used that perhaps is unique to a person or human being is capable of making moral choices. You think they're separate? Okay. Or perhaps just also defined as the ability to make moral decisions or unmoral ones. I suppose it could depend on which philosopher is defining evil because there are some creatures that seem to kill not just for sustenance or whatever, for whatever conditions, but we'll say, for this sake, moral decisions is a human thing. It doesn't make a person a person, but I think it's unique to humans. We have the ability to express, like self-expression, like animals don't draw or make music. And so, art. Agreed. This is something that no other creature has, but this idea of artistic expression or self-expression. Okay. Any other things that poke at or help you define what a person is or what a human is? Any other ideas? Sure, okay. So you could actually point to specific physical characteristics, I suppose. Uh, so bipedal is a defining characteristic, perhaps. Uh, this is a component, true, but we're talking, there are physical characteristics. Because I'm a, uh, in a little bit, I'll read to you what um, perhaps is the biology definition. And part of it is they're bipedal and they have a forehead that's greater than four inches as part of what defines as a homo sapien compared to other creatures in the same animal family. Um, there's more to it than that, but yeah, that is, so there are, we'll just say physical characteristics can help define uh, a person or a human in the eyes of science compared to other creatures. So. Any other thoughts? Any other ideas? Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. Mm, I don't know. Would it? I mean, in some cases, no. That doesn't define, but in other cases, you could still say that they have a lot of the defining characteristics of what a, a human being is. If you're going to go all the way from uh, physical characteristics all the way to the number of DNA chromosomes and the order that they are, then yes, it would still contain all of the physical characteristics of a human being, if you go down to DNA. Sure, 
Yeah, so uh, uh, capable of, do we want to go ahead and call that free uh, will? Like uh, the presence of a will, whether or not it's in defiance or not defiance to God, we may want to call it self-will or something like that. Or we can just call it defying God. Any other ideas? We're covering a lot of them. I have maybe one, one more that I want to bring up that I was reading about. It'd be self-awareness. The idea that you're, um, I kind of like, I think, therefore I am, is what uh, philosopher Descartes said. So the idea that I can think about whether or not I exist as a uniquely human thing. So there's like a self-awareness. I recognize that I myself exist, even if I don't know anything else does. So in some ways, that's known as a defining characteristic. So I'll say self-awareness. Any other thoughts? Any other ideas? Let me go and try to provide here what would be considered the biology definition or a purely scientific definition, and we'll see how many of these characteristics are assumed by the biological definition. All right, so a human, um, a human is a, uh, also known as a homo sapien. Um, one way of it being defined it would be to like, one way that they come up with this idea is you, def you compare our physical characteristics with other animals or other life forms. Um, but a human or a homo sapien is a bipedal hominin. Hominin would be like in the animal kingdom, a family of animals underneath it. Uh, so hominins essentially, as far as biology is concerned, assumes all of what they would say are the historical species, ancestral species of humanity. So all the things that we evolved from fall under hominins. So we grabbed the bipedal characteristic and the biology definition. Uh, characterized by having a higher and more vertical forehead compared to earlier hominins. Um, brain volume is about 1400 cc. Uh, humans are the hominins capable of creating and using complex tools. So let's see, did we have, uh, we don't really have that one on there. We should have put it down, but we kind of mentioned problem solving and tools, but I don't think I ever wrote it down. I'm holding too many things at once. So tools. Well, so the thing is, is part of what a bipedal hominin is, is they only have two hands. Uh, complex tools and language and creating complex social structures. So we'll, ability to speak, uh, understanding in the sense that it's a complex language. Um, let's see, over language, and we didn't actually have complex social structures on here. So, but, sure.
complex social structures. Over time, humans have demonstrated behavioral modernity and advancement. So I don't necessarily know exactly what biology biologists are defining here, but I think what they're kind of getting to is the even more advanced than perhaps other creatures that use tools and have social structures. For example, other of apes, like chimpanzees, and occasion have been known to use tools, and they have family units, but it's perhaps it's not as complex. So maybe they're using this definition to say even more so than previous apes. They are a member of the biological kingdom Animalia, so they're from the animal kingdom, is what they're trying to say. Um, and we did not have that on here, but I'm not gonna write it down. But the, again, it's an understanding that part, that what they say is part of what they would say human is, is by their definition, an animal. So that is baked into their definition. I'll just write that in the purple. Because if you were going to define humanity based on biology, then they would start with, well, they are animals. Um, they are, and they're animals that meet these other characteristics, right? In particular, the tribe hominy, so the what a homo sapien, is underneath. Uh, one of the distinctive features of hominies is the possession of highly developed brain. The brain of a human being is larger, but not the largest among its genus. Nonetheless, human brain is as advanced skills in abstract reasoning, they would say, articulate language, self-awareness, problem solving, and sapience. So, See, advanced skills in abstract reasoning, language, self-awareness, problem-solving, and sapiens. Uh, I think I've covered all of those. Uh, we'll go physical characteristics. So these are all, so far, part of the biology definition of what a human is, is this idea of ability to speak and communicate is covered under the biology um, definition. Uh, consciousness, that's their term that they're using for that, is sapience. So depending on how we define consciousness versus sapience is kind of a difficult term of words. Um, I think when I was looking for definitions, they would kind of loop between those two, but that's kind of how I'm going to do it now. But however they define sapience, it's part of the biology definition. Mind, uh, advanced reason, tools, complex social structures, self-awareness, awareness of the world around them, all of this falls under what they would just say, the advanced brain abilities of the homo sapien animal. Um, and sapience, sapience, oh, sapience kind of being what they would define as the qual, one definition for sapience that you find, if you just look up sapience in dictionary, is the quality of being wise or wisdom. So they actually have whatever biology would say wisdom is, is a quality of Homo sapien. Um, yeah, so that is what you could consider by just pure biology what a human being is. So a lot of those things on there that we've described fall under that. Do any of them surprise you that they would fall under the biology definition? Or does that check out to you? It's good for the recording. You know, I never thought of that um, sapien 
um, until tonight because it shows that science knows that homo sapien or human is our main quality is knowledge and wisdom. Uh, it, it definitely separates us from lower uh, animal, um, you know, animals, basically. Joel? It may not be relevant to the moment, but what I keep thinking about is the... Um, the uniqueness of certain persons, specifically the mentally deficient, the physically deformed, you know, people like that. And I, I think with a, the strict definition as you've brought it, when one sticks to that rigidly, there's a number of implications for, that have been drawn over the years for the better, betterment of society. Abortion, for instance. Well, let's abort all those babies that have certain diseases because they, they fail to meet this biological de definition in some ways. And so that's just been kind of like sitting in my brain since we started this is there's a number of human beings, persons, people who through the curse of the fall are deficient in some way, but that does not make them less person. Excellent. So uh, you're touching on something that I want to get to here, and I think we should go ahead and take that step. There are, as you can recognize, there are moral implications for what your definition of what a person is. Because if, as Joel recognizes, if part of what the definition of a human being or what a person is, is ability to communicate or consciousness, um, there are people who are living, who meet a lot of these other criteria, who can't do those things. Someone who is uh, under a debilitating illness, or someone who is under a coma, or has uh, not currently conscious, they therefore are losing some of the capabilities or, so this idea, someone brought up at the beginning that a human being is defined by capability or ability, uh, John, Pastor John, did you say that? Uh, as a definition, one of, the, one of the things that you start to realize then is that certain things that we as Christians would recognize as persons no longer are falling under that uh, category. No, they lose their personhood if you define them in such a way, perhaps. Any other thoughts looking at their definitions so far? Actually, if you look at their definition, and some people might be pushing for this, the fact is, is that a newborn child can't do those things. Correct. In fact, um, uh, there was a good point when we were talking about physical questions. Was that Sue who made that? Who that? Or was maybe Royce, that if we are basing it on physical characteristics, then you could base your definition of physical characteristics in one that would specifically be excluding the unborn, and which is how you can get to a legal definition of personhood of, and this is what the, our multiple, many governments, the definition of personhood 
has to be a born person is indeed the definition of personhood in some legal situations. Right. And so we see here that, but we would also maybe, just to get to another component here, is that a lot of these components of, with the exception perhaps of animal as one of the defining characteristics of what a person is, not very many of these are contradictory perhaps to what we as a Christian might understand a person to be. I would say that yes, the ability to speak, yes, we would fall under that same definition as Christians. Um, uh, the comparatively to other creatures, the ability to reason in a more advanced level, uh, a greater awareness of the world, the, um, uh, the uh, expression, awareness. See, the, some of these things that are part of this biological connection, we would not say, well, that's not what a person is. A person isn't bipedal. I mean, yes, in some sense we would not find any moral issue with that. So in, we're cutting to kind of the same idea that science is not, perhaps they're just missing extra components, perhaps. Comment? I would argue that the definition, when they included the idea of self-awareness as one of the characteristics of a homo sapien, that they are making a leap out of science because they're assuming the understanding of the self. But the self itself is a non-physical phenomena. And so we all know it's true, and they're telling the truth, but they've kind of leapt beyond science and gone into the philosophical when they say that. I, don't, I, I would argue that they're, they're cheating. They're operating on their God-given worldview, but they're breaking their own rules about whether science can speak to things that are invisible. And the, the idea of self-awareness, the self itself, transcends the, as what I would say, even the word life, they can't really figure out what life is. They just know what it is. You know what I'm trying to say? I would agree with you. However, I also wonder if by the definition of self-awareness would have to be more carefully defined, because I wonder if that can also qualify or qualify the idea of perhaps when they see themselves in a mirror, they know that it's perhaps them, perhaps. Like, I wonder if this idea of self-awareness to them might not be going all the way into the philosophical. Maybe they're self-observable or something like that. They recognize that, oh, that creature in the mirror is myself or something. I'm not certain, but exactly. So to kind of jump ahead to where I want to get, uh, for when science struggles, so science, so biology is one definition. Psychology, a different science, has further definitions. And so just to kind of jump ahead to what's historically, there have been different psychological definitions. Um, one, from the pure basis of philosophy, uh, the presence of a consciousness, uh, the reasoning, self-motivated actions. So the idea that you would be uh, self, 
deciding to do something rather than outside forcing you to do something. This is a character of personhood. Uh, ability, capacity to communicate, and self-awareness. So in the terms of philosophy, that might be a definition that they would give. Another possible is a personhood is constituted by uh, indic oh man, what word is that? I even wrote it myself. Uh, autonomy of the person, agency, um, and then something of selfhood. So like uh, an understanding of its one's own selfhood. Uh, agency, so the ability to make free decisions on one's own. Joel kind of touched on that earlier. Um, autonomy of the person, we've kind of mentioned that, the ability to make one's own decisions or act under one's own interests um, or against one's own interest is one philosophical definition for personhood. Um, the Department of Justice of our nation defines person to mean any individual person as uh, well as natural or legal entity because technically under Department of Justice you could have something up, uh, something outside could define something else as personhood. So this is how you get the idea of something like a corporation or a business or a non-living entity getting the legal definition of personhood because it's an outside attribution of personhood. So one way you could define a person is by what a legal body defines as a person. So whether or not it meets any of the other criteria or whether it's figurative, one definition for personhood is what someone else says. If someone else says you are indeed a person, right? That is technically a definition of what personhood could be. Um, a natural entity under this law, because they basically just say a person is a natural or a non uh, or legal entity. A natural entity is a human person, a natural person. Um, and this is basically where the idea that if upon being birth, a human being becomes a person under that definition of what personhood is. It's a living human being or a living homo sapien. Um, so that could be like the legal definition. Um, so then, how would we then, what are the unique characteristics perhaps of how human beings or creatures are defined in scriptures? The, one of the definitions that I found, um, human beings are creatures of dignity and worth. Um, they are embodied, embodied souls. So we talked about the uh, body and soul and spirit that Marie and Joel talked about. Embodied souls of the earth and uniquely inspired by God. Um, and I'm using the Gospel Coalition, not Gospel Coalition article to find this definition. Um, they are more like God than anything else that was created. So they are more similar to God than any other creation. Um, we are at time, so I just figured that that was the alarm clock that we were supposed to finish. Um, humans have a spiritual life, ethical and moral sensibilities, conscience, and the capacity to represent God is an interesting uh, part of the definition. So we have the capacity as image bearers to represent what God is like. Human beings uh, as created, uh, were created male, female, um, and that couple represents a picture of unity and the relationship of the Godhead. And uh, with respect, 
And then in our fallen natures, as a consequence of the fall, uh, human beings or persons are depraved by nature, um, rebellious will, uh, and uh, moral... uh, So, oh, one of the things that they mentioned was that uh, human beings and we're created with the ability to perfectly communicate and be perfectly be understood by God and by other creatures. And now that as we're fallen, our personhood is by definition between God and other human beings disrupted. And so there is, to end here, when it comes to the definition of what a person is, what we're pointing out is what science or what biology or psychology would define as a person does not contain all of the additional moral weight and value that perhaps the Bible does. Now, the Bible does not necessarily describe us as uh, bipedal or anything about that because when it comes down to the important characteristics of what a human being is, as we would argue from the scriptures, it's not based on necessarily um, mental capacity or physical capacity it's defined on spiritual things. It's defined on uh, representation of the creator being created in a certain way, Um, uh, embodied souls. So it does define that we are physical beings that possess souls is understood um, from scriptures. And this idea of everlasting is a scriptural understanding of what a person is. And uh, there are times, I think, that when uh, philosophy defines us as um, perhaps emotional or capable of moral decisions, I think in some sense they are borrowing from what they, and this is the thing that we need to remind ourselves with, is that science, if all truth is indeed God's truth, then science is going to be correct about partially about parts of their definitions, because they live in the world that we know God created. And so, as all truth being God's truth, we need to be conscious of that what defines a person is obviously more so than what biology alone says, and more so than what perhaps psychology and philosophy alone would say. And perhaps it's greater even than what pure legal or law defines a personhood to be. So that's all we have time for. There are all kinds of things that you could go to from here, from life on other planets to whether or not artificial intelligence can constitute life. And if we would go to a Bible, we could point, if we were ever to face these things, if you were ever to face a computer and someone was saying it's conscious, it's as life, we can look to, well, does it have the capability to represent what God's really like? Does it have, is it an embodied soul kind of thing? And we would say, no, that is not a person. Is there life on other worlds or other planets? Well, do they meet these criteria of what the scriptures say is indeed a person, is indeed an image bearer? Because uh, one important thing to recognize is that us as persons are different even than angels or demons, which are other created things that have the ability to communicate, for example, and recognize who God is, but yet they are not persons. So just, again, as we end this science and Christianity series, um, recognizing that we need to remind ourselves always that when we face these things, that uh, what the Bible says 
and that what science is is not, cannot separate themselves as much as they try from the truth that we are all created things. Okay, so I'll close in prayer and we can go. Dear Heavenly Father and Lord, um, thank you. Thank you for creating us. Thank you, Lord, for uh, creating this world that we can live in, that we can look around and explore and learn more about, Lord, and learn more about the intricacies and the patterns and the different ways that you created this world that we live in. And when we look at ourselves, Lord, thank you for giving us. Um, though we were called to be perfect, uh, and though we now fall under the curse, Lord, and we have broken bodies, thank you, Lord, for giving us the ability to understand these bodies in increasing ways um, so that we might uh, improve quality of life and pursue a study of medicine, Lord. There's a great grace that you have given us, um, the ability to uh, live longer and help those who can, are in hurting, Lord. Um, and Lord, thank you for the ability that we can expand medical so that uh, we can uh, save more of the unborn and help those uh, who would be born with complications live greater lives, Lord. And uh, thank you, Lord, for giving us the task to spread out throughout the world and rule over it and be good stewards of it, Lord. Though this all falls under the curse because of our own designs, Lord, we know and we can expect a future in which you will redeem this world. Not only will you redeem us, Lord, but you will redeem all of your creation and all of it will be made good again. In your name we pray, amen.